Well, good morning, everybody. Um, hopefully you're all comfortable at home, in your beds, enjoying yourselves. Uh, we've had a bit of a busy and slightly hectic morning here. As we've had power outages and uh, internet connectivity issues, microphones not working. Uh, so hopefully everything is connected and you're hearing this loud and clear. So if you are, maybe give us some hearts or a thumbs up well, or let us know just to make sure everything um, is going according to plan. In your um, well, today we're going to be looking at uh, we've had uh, Ephesians chapter 4 and, and um, this really is As a continuation of where we were last week. Um, and so this week really this the, the center issue is how we walk together in unity as a body of believers. Uh, you know, right now, that is incredibly easy because we don't see each other. We're not really around each other as much. Uh, although the, uh, you know, some of the rules have been relaxed. Um, and so really to start us off, I want to give you an encouragement. Uh, I'd like to say, if you can meet with another family and uh, get together within the uh, the guidelines given by the Victorian government. If you can meet together, obviously this week you, you're watching this, so whatever it is, it is. Uh, but maybe next Sunday, uh, you could meet together with another family. Uh, you could watch the stream together, maybe worship together beforehand, and then have some morning tea, have a coffee together, pray with each other, meet and gather in homes. Uh, if you are fit and healthy and safe to do so, uh, then if you can do that, I would love you to, to go around to each other's home and make that a possibility. <clears throat> well, let's, uh, let's get right into unity uh, right now and walking in unity. As I read through this passage and consider what it is uh, for Paul to say to us, let's walk together in unity, my mind goes to the exact opposite. Uh, oftentimes, it's hard to be in unity with everyone we tend to drift towards disunity. Uh, it is highly likely that your absolute best friend that you had when you were in, uh, in primary school is no longer your best friend. Uh, I can remember having a few best friends and thinking, you know, oh, we're going to be best mates forever. And you would plan what you were going to do when you were both grown up. You know, we, we should live together and we should do this and we should start a business or all of these grand plans. And then somewhere along the way, uh, disunity may have crept in, um, or maybe you have, you've had a fight and things broke up, or maybe you simply moved states. If you're one of these incredibly unique people that has a best friend from when you were younger, don't send me messages, just be thankful that you've got such a good friend <clears throat> in that way. <clears throat> but you know, we, we basically tend towards disunity. And some of our relationships have a timestamp. Uh, they, they are running out at times. Uh, unfortunately, there's so much divorce and separation and pain in relationships in this world. We know that ever since uh, the sin entered the world, ever since man rebelled against God, there has been a, a leaning towards disunity. And so Paul here now in a new covenant is addressing what the body of Christ needs to look like as we move forward. You know, I've heard this saying many, many, many times in church life. And that is that church would be great if it wasn't for all the people. Uh, you know, I hope you do not believe that. 
Um, you know, we can want to maybe believe that. Like, this is great. I get to do church at home with a coffee and in my PJs in bed. And you know what? You should do that. You should enjoy that. Uh, because right now you are able to be at home and do church and still be obedient to God. But I want to challenge you, once we're back to being able to meet together, we are not to forsake the gathering of the saints. And so we will no longer have the comfort of staying home when uh, it's freezing here in Victoria and enjoying some comfort at home. I would rather be uh, uncomfortable and obedient to God. And so you might be at home just relaxing and enjoying that, but we are supposed to be around each other. Uh, what we know is that Jesus did not die for a building. Uh, and that doesn't mean that buildings are not important. Uh, that doesn't mean that we can't gather in a place uh, and that buildings can't serve an incredible uh, as an incredible platform uh, for things that we can do in the community and, and a bit more of an ease of gathering together. I'm not demonizing buildings, but Christ didn't die for a building. He died for a people and those people need to uh, model unity. And what ISO has done, what the coronavirus has done, is it has taken the people out of church. Um, and so here's what we see we, as we walk through Ephesians. Uh, we read the first couple of chapters and Paul is setting up these doctrinal statements. He's really going heavy on theology. Because what you believe is incredibly important. We need to make sure that what we believe makes sense according to the Word of God. Uh, we need to make sure that what we believe is correct because it reflects a love for God. And so what we see here is these beautiful teachings such as that we have every blessing in Christ. Uh, that we have been adopted into the family of God. This is what Paul is teaching through the beginning of Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 1, I think it's verse 1 through to 14, we see um, that everything he's going to build this platform in on is based on the Trinity. It starts with the Father and Son, and then by about verse 13, 14, he talks about the Holy Spirit. So he wants us to know that God is triune, that God is unified in and of himself. And we'll see that a little bit more in a moment. Uh, and so we, we see all these incredible truths, and that is called orthodoxy. Uh, orthodoxy is this orthodox belief. It is a authorized or generally accepted theory, doctrine, or practice. And so we need to make sure that our beliefs are orthodox, uh, that they are accepted generally among a consensus of theologians and what the Bible has taught. See, the Bible isn't changing its teaching. Uh, you know, we should beware of people who say, I found this new teaching, this new thing. Uh, we need to have orthodoxy, correct belief. Um, that is something that, you know, we should protect. It takes a lot of work to actually protect belief. Uh, but that's something we should be doing uh, as a church. That's what any church should be doing. And so that's what Paul does. He sets up the orthodoxy and yet, in chapter 4, he's changing now. We're seeing a pivot. He's going from orthodoxy to what is called orthopraxy. Now, if orthodoxy is correct belief, um, orthopraxy is correct living. It is the way we walk. 
And so Paul here, he will say for the rest of Ephesians, you know, be careful of the way you walk. So he's laboring on the first half of the book about what you believe. Uh, I know for me, that's something I value. I, I think it's really important. But if what I believe stays as a belief, it, it can get a bit clunky. Uh, there can be no love in just simply correct belief. That correct belief must flow through to orthopraxy. And that way we are protected from both ends. Uh, the other thing we need to consider is that now that we're in chapter 4, we don't completely divorce the teachings of chapter 3. And so having this in its context is understanding that at the end of chapter 3, Paul is saying that we are to be rooted and grounded in the love of God. Uh, you know, the, the breadth, the, the length, the depth, the width, you know, the, the, the enormity of the love of God. And so when we are living out, uh, when we are functioning in orthopraxy, living a correct way, we're not doing it as robots who are simply trying to be obedient. We are doing it out of the love that God has poured into our hearts. Because of His love, we want to believe correctly because that honors God. Uh, because of His love, we want to live and model Christ in a correct way because that should be our inspiration. So the test for if you truly believe the Scriptures, uh, not if you know them, not if you can recite them, the test for if you truly in your heart believe the Scriptures is not how well you can recite them, but it's if they are actually lived out of your heart, out of your life in response to God's love, not in order to receive God's love. See, we're not running around scared that God doesn't love us enough because we're not living correctly enough. Uh, this is not works-based salvation. Uh, this, is, um, this is us living in obedience to God because we are accepted, not in order to get God's acceptance. You know, there is a high price to pay um, for not living out and being motivated by God's love. Uh, there is a high price to pay for having orthodoxy, correct belief, and no orthopraxy. There's a high price to pay. And that price is uh, often disconnection with people. Uh, it often is hypocrisy. Uh, we live believing that people should perform a certain way, behave a certain way, believe a certain way that we ourselves aren't able to do. Uh, we can become just like a doctor who uh, won't even take the medicine that he's offering to other people. We can become huge hypocrites. And this is what Paul is protecting us from uh, in this here. You know, the, the mental image that I had was a, a big, enormous body of water. And if that body of water doesn't have anywhere to flow, if that water isn't something fresh coming in and all the old stuff going out, uh, that water becomes stagnant. You know, you, you can fill a bath with water and enjoy that bath, but if you leave that water, if it doesn't move for a week, a month, two, three months, that water is going to get stagnant. It's going to get dirty. And what happens in stagnant water is that it breeds uh, bacteria and parasites way more than moving water. Uh, there, is, there is something of disease. There is something of sickness that comes uh, when... 
when that water isn't fresh, when it isn't moving. And that can be the life of many believers. You know, sometimes we can just get so stuck. There's no flow through our life. We don't move from God's love and correct belief into correct living. And so we too become stagnant. In Matthew chapter 7, um, verse 15 to 20, Jesus says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs uh, from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. So what is the fruit of your life? Do you witness in yourself a growing desire for, yes, correct belief, but do you witness in yourself a growing passion for living in a way that is obedient to God? Not living in a way where people in the church think that we're doing the right thing, because that's easy to fake. All you've got to do uh, is learn a few correct words. Uh, all you've got to do is, is learn which is the right way to behave, the wrong way to behave. Uh, when do we sit? When do we stand? Uh, you know, all we have to do is learn some of those external things. But the key issue here is, is your heart being transformed by the love of God? Is our heart being uh, motivated to obey, to live out the way we walk, the way we live is so incredibly important. So let's go through uh, from Ephesians 4 and verse 1 and we'll just work our way. Uh, I'm going to read through the whole chapter, uh, the whole six verses, and then we'll go from there. Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who is over all and through all and in all. And so we see here, right at the top, Paul again, just as he did in the last chapter, he is addressing himself as a prisoner of the Lord. Um, we, I love that the last chapter he said, I am a prisoner of Christ Jesus. He wasn't a, a, a prisoner um, of Rome. He wasn't a prisoner of, of anybody else. But he said, no, if God wants me here, this is where I am. I am a prisoner of the Lord. And then he encourages us in verse 1 to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. See, you have actually been called. Christians do, in fact, have a personal calling. There is something in your life that God has specifically for you to do. Now, oftentimes we can actually elevate that far too high. 
Uh, we can think that our whole Christianity is all about our personal calling and that you are destined to be something incredible. You are destined to be something great. Um, the, the problem with that is it really elevates us. Um, and yet it's not untrue. Uh, we must tether our calling to the bigger picture that all of what we do is about God. Uh, God essentially does not need us to accomplish His will. If you don't obey God, He'll find somebody else. Uh, and yet we will miss out if we don't um, if we don't pursue our calling. So we have been saved and called. But the troubling part of that verse is that it says that we are to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. I'm not sure about you, but when I see that, I think, am I walking in a manner that is worthy of the calling? That's a troubling thing because I think in our hearts, we know that we often don't live in a way that is completely worthy. We know that we are not innocent. We know that we are not perfect. And And so it's important here to uh, to understand that, that there is a, a difference is between salvation and calling. When it comes to our salvation, we are not worthy. Um, we, we are not worthy. We, there's so many scriptures. One of them uh, says that the heart is uh, deceitful above all things. You know, we know that we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, mankind is in a broken state without the redemption that Jesus died to give us. And yet we are being called to live in a way that matches the calling that God has got for our lives. We need to live in a way, just because we are free in terms of salvation, just because our salvation has nothing to do with our morality and the way we live, that doesn't free us to still just live loose, morally loose Christian lives. We need to live in a manner that is worthy of the calling. And unfortunately, some people don't pursue this. They don't try to live in a way that is worthy of the calling that God has got in their life. And so what happens is it means that you are absolutely saved. You are a brother or a sister in Christ. And yet you are going to miss out on some level of satisfaction that comes with knowing that you are serving God in some incredible way in your life. There is a joy that comes when we do the will of God. Uh, that is separate to our salvation. God doesn't love us anymore. Uh, he doesn't like us any less if we don't do it. But there is something of which uh, it comes in our heart that just says, man, it's satisfying to be able to see God work in this way, um, to be able to pursue our life, to live out of our calling in response to the incredible love of God, to be able to serve God in this way. And wow, look at that fruit. Look at what happened in that heart. Look at what happened in that life. Uh, there is a great nourishment and contentment and food for the soul when we obey God and live out of our calling. Okay, let's read uh, verse 2. So verse 2 says, With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. And so here we get the style. We get this feeling of the way God wants us to pursue this unity. He wants us to pursue unity with all humility and gentleness and patience. For me, 
uh, when I'm pursuing unity in this family, oftentimes it's with uh, a direct approach. It's with a, a fair amount of aggression. Truth is a high value in this family and uh, time is poor often. And so there can tend to be some really straight chats and some very honest chats. Uh, and yet we are encouraged here to not always do that. Uh, that in the church, it shouldn't be so. In the church, this body that wants to live in unity with each other, we need to be marked by humility. We need to, as people interact with us, as we disagree with one another, we need to see that there's an element of gentleness there. And then finally, we need to consider the, the patience that we are to have. You know, too often we, uh, we overestimate what we can accomplish in a week and underestimate what God could accomplish in a lifetime of service. And so we're not patient. We're, we're impatient. And we simply just want, you know, we want the church to grow now. We want people to mature now. You know, we want unity to happen right now. Why aren't people serving? Why aren't people doing this? Actually, God is patient with us. And as I considered those three things, um, you look at it and you see that humility, gentleness, and patience. Who is it that perfectly demonstrates those three attributes? Well, it's Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus is humble, willing to die on a cross. Uh, absolutely God incarnate. And yet he didn't take his throne right now. He didn't assume an earthly kingdom. He chose the way of humiliation and death. Jesus is perfectly humble. Uh, he is gentle. The scripture says a, a, a bruised reed he will not break. Jesus is gentle with us. And Jesus is patient with you. He is so patient with you. He knows your failings. He knows your weaknesses. And he is patient. And so really what Paul is doing is he is imploring us to live like Christ, uh, to live as our Savior has treated us. We are to, uh, to do that for each other. Too often in church, um, people have experienced aggression, uh, sarcasm, fault finding. Uh, these are the opposites of what we just looked at. And so a lot of people, their experience in church has been a real power play. Who has got the most say? Uh, who is the most senior authority and who can get their way to make church the way they exactly want it? Uh, that is not to be the way for us. We are to treat each other in such a way that, uh, that I care what you care about. Uh, you know, that we, we find a way to love each other in that way. Let's, uh, let's read from John chapter 10 and verse 11 to 13. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. It's happening again. This is fun, but I'm okay. Surprisingly enough, I hope you're okay as well. All right, looks like we're back on. I can see me on my screen, which has a delay, running off to the side and coming back. Happy days. So we need to fight for unity. It's something we need to actively pursue, not passively think it will just happen. So consider what is your role? Uh, what are you doing to promote unity? Are you saying those very difficult words at times, such as, I was wrong? It's very hard to say, and yet it's so important that we have God's eyes for other people, that we see what He sees.
Uh, this is going to be continually important as we consider uh, us reintegrating after the coronavirus uh, has, has sort of lowered down. The safety is back again and we can gather together. Some of our people will have absolutely no fear and they'll just want to be around and be together and enjoy that time. And some people will have legitimate concerns because of your own compromised immunity uh, or fear in general because we have just come through an incredibly difficult, difficult time, unlike which has never been seen in the world before. And so here's what should happen. Uh, we should all be patient towards each other. The people who are quite fearful shouldn't demonize and be annoyed at the freedom that other people seem to walk in. Uh, and the people who have that freedom shouldn't just run up to everybody and hug everyone, you know, like come to church if you're a little bit sick. You know, none of that will take place. And I am confident that what we will do is that we will come together and we will think, is what I'm doing loving? Uh, if, if we are a little bit sick, but we think we're fine, we, we don't go to church. Um, if we uh, can see that somebody hasn't uh, come or they want to come to church and remain socially distant, as we probably will still be able, we're still having to do at that time, that's great. We will have to ask permission before shaking hands. And yet some people might be hugging. Uh, we need to be beautifully patient with each other as Christ is patient with us. So that's something we need to be looking at because the Holy Spirit desires unity and the bond of peace. All right, coming to an end now, we're going to look at verse 4 to 6. Paul says here, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope, and that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And so here's what Paul is saying in this moment. He's, he's begging that we would show unity, that we would have humility and patience, that we would be gentle with each other and, and, and not try to rush the process, but have unity. Now, why does Paul want us to do that? That's because God is unified. That's because God is one. And so we see here over and over, in fact, it's seven times the scripture says, one body, one spirit, uh, just as you were called to the one hope. And it goes on in that manner seven different times. Uh, coincidentally, which is not a coincidence at all, but uh, seven really is the number of com complete perfection. And this is what we get from God. God is completely unified within himself. The perfect love and justice of God has pre-existed creation itself. God has always been unified. He still is one. He still is perfect. And he has perfect unity. And we are being uh, invited into the oneness and the perfection of our God. And so Paul's argument here is, be one with each other. Uh, God is making a family for himself. Uh, over the course of history, we see God's unfolding plan that God is redeeming a people for himself. Uh, and, he, and he hasn't redeemed a disunified people. 
and antagonistic people. Uh, God is redeeming us. And a part of our worship back to him is that we would be unified. And so we need to take every effort to be unified with one another. So not only does God have perfect unity, but as it says in the end there, uh, that he is over all, through all, and in all. And so basically here we see that God is magnificent. Uh, God has perfect dominion. He is over all. His kingdom is more powerful than any other kingdom. He is absolutely God. Uh, He is so incredible, so big, so vast, that there's so much about him that we can't comprehend or understand. And so this God is calling us to live in unity. See, we don't need to be afraid of God's power and his authority and dominion. Uh, If I had absolute power, if I had complete rule, I would suggest to you, run, get very far away from me because my sense of what is right and wrong is filtered through a broken uh, a broken brain and broken thinking. But God knows what we perfectly need. Uh, God is the only one who never makes a mistake. And so we can be encouraged here by the scriptures uh, that we don't have to know everything that is going to happen. Uh, we don't need to pretend Uh, that we know the perfect way to behave and to think and what to do and, and, and how to live. We need to live in unity because God is the one who is over all, through all, and in all. And so we are uh, unified together because it brings glory to God. And this is what Paul does. He always cycles back around to live this way, think this way, because of the glory of God. And so we're going to go back around in that kind of circle. We're going to go back around in that cycle to understand that God is big. He is one. In Him, we have perfect love, perfect unity. And so we need to live out of that perfect unity. So I want you to think about your life. You know, what are you doing? Uh, yes, this is about what, how you are living how are you living in such a way that, um, that you're actually demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit? Uh, do you have you know, good orthopraxy? Are you thinking, what does the Bible say to me? How am I to live? The way we live honors God. Um, but equally so, maybe you're low on orthodox belief. Maybe you've never really looked into, what should I believe? What does the Bible say? I want to encourage you. Paul is begging us to do both as a means to love God. So factor in what it is, right believing certainly lives uh, leads to right living. Uh, and not only that, but it leads to living in such a way that we uh, do it out of the right motives. Fear is a terrible motive. Uh, the hope of acceptance is a terrible, terrible motive. But God has given us as believers His acceptance, and so we should accept one another. I'm going to close in prayer right now and uh, leave you guys to the rest of your day. Lord, we just want to thank you, God, that you are ultimately in control. Uh, Lord, even this morning with all the things that have happened and the feed dropping out, God, you are in control. And so, Lord, we want to exhibit patience. We want to remain humble, not worried about the outcome, God, just worried about our life. 
concerned, not worry that leads to fear, but Lord, just concerned about are we living in a way that bears fruit? And Lord, we know that a healthy tree bears healthy fruit. God, if we sense in us any level of of fruit that is not healthy, God, let us go back to your love. God, let us go back to the gospel. And Lord, receive that nourishment ourselves out of your perfect uh, generosity that you showed us on the cross. Lord, we thank you for all you have done for us. God, I pray that in the coming months, as we regather together, Lord, that you would give us opportunity to demonstrate this unity and to demonstrate our love for one another as you've called us to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Beautiful. Well, guys, thank you so much for jumping back on and off. Uh, it, obviously, it's a little bit tricky when these things happen. Um, not long and I, you know, we will be back together again. So uh, consider maybe this week, who could you uh, do church with next week? Uh, are you able in a position to be able to meet with somebody in their home and, uh, and, and worship beforehand? Just uh, In fact, this morning, uh, as Mish does every week, she leads the kids in worship uh, while we're running around setting up things for the live stream. Um, as I run in and out to get drinks of water and whatnot, I see a couple of children up on couches clapping and singing and moving around. Uh, I think they were even doing actions. So you could get together with another family and uh, you could worship together from our Spotify list and then you could meet together as a church and then you could eat together. Uh, what a perfect morning. So I'd encourage you to do that if you can and, um, and we'll move along. So guys, awesome. Thanks for coming and joining in with us today. Uh, may you be incredibly unified with each other out of the love that God has poured in your hearts. Uh, thanks, Ruffy. In, uh, really appreciate your encouragement there. Um, Patty, yep, we need to be praying for Ella. Um, she continues to have issues with her feed and, uh, and all of that. So, you know what? Why don't we just pray for Ella right now? Um, you guys, you can go if you want to. Um, let's just pray for Ella. Lord, we just pray right now, God, that you would uh, give your sustaining power uh, to Patty and Millie, Lord, as they lovingly try to care for Ella and all that she has got going on. Uh, Lord, we just pray, Lord, right now that her body would just, uh, God, it, it just start to heal, Lord, that the, the enzymes needed maybe to break down food or whatever the, the main issue is at play, Lord, you know. But God, we just pray for uh, the right answers to come along in your perfect timing. For your grace to be their portion, Lord, as they struggle through the ups and downs of uh, not knowing when things are going to be good and not knowing when things are going to go uh, poorly. Lord, would you give them your sustaining power today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.